Hey there, welcome to A Woman's Sacred Truth, a podcast where we are going to explore some uncomfortable and often even painful experiences, but also the joy and satisfaction that comes from moving beyond what has hurt us as we reach new levels in our life, which feels like, honestly, the best thing ever. All right, yay, episode one. Welcome, welcome. All right, so today, for this very first episode, it's actually only gonna be you and me. I need to lay a little foundation here. So we're just gonna go into a couple of things together so that you can really understand where I'm coming from, (laughs) where I've been, and what I have learned so that you can get to know yourself better you know, we're really all just here, I believe, to um, to come into contact with our deepest essence. That's where happiness lives. And from that place, you can live and become, you know, like the greatest version of yourselves, right? And really have the happiest kind of existence and create the greatest kind of prosperity that's available for you. And so what we're really here to explore is who am I? Who am I? It's the ultimate existential question. And so to become who you are, you need to recognize what you're not. If you are carrying some sort of baggage or limiting beliefs, or you're still being controlled by your wounds, your past trauma, you can't be who you are. This is what it's all about here is getting to the truth, the deepest, most beautiful truth within you. And so we got to clean and clear a little bit first, right? So I'm going to share part of my journey. But before we get into that, like I said, there's some foundational stuff that you really need to understand. So what are these core wounds? You're going to recognize yourself in these, okay? So I believe that everyone has a core wound. And then from that core wound, you know, we all have a bunch of other little, you know, bumps and bruises and scars along the way as well. So you're probably going to resonate with a few of them. But one of these core wounds that I'm about to go through will probably feel like it just, you know, It's going to hit your nail right on the head. And so until we heal these wounds, we're not able to get to the truth. We have to accept some things about ourselves and heal these little places within ourselves so that, again, you know, we can really start to live from our deepest essence. And that's where the good stuff is. So uh, there's this incredible, famous man, his name's Carl Jung, and his one of his most famous quotes, which, um, you know, he was a, a psychoanalyst back in the early 1900s. He died in 1961. And he was brilliant for what he discovered and was revealed to him through working with, you know, thousands of people, right? So until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. This really sums up the human condition and how we can just be living our lives um, on autopilot. And so I'm going to read it one more time because it, 
it, it really is the most profound, accurate, truthful statement. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. My hope is that you can step more fully into your destiny. When you're living from purpose, you're living from the truth of your heart and your soul. And this is where the beauty and the prosperity and greater love starts to really pour through you and into your life, right? And into your world. So <laughs> ah, let's start making some of this unconscious conscious, shall we? Okay, so you got to understand these are the wounds that we're dealing with here. And it's not endless. There's a certain amount of you know, wounding that every human can, you know, go through. And healing is finite. It's not this endless journey. Once you are aware of what your wounding is, your fears, your traumas, your limiting beliefs, you can get about to healing it. And then you can just get on with things, right? This is not a forever thing. Once you accept it and heal it, transmute it, then the truth of who you are can come through. So let's start at the root, okay? There's this root wound, and it's very primal in its nature, and it's fear. <laughs> I mean, when you boil everything down, it's fear of something, right? But there's this very primal kind of um, wounding, and it hijacks your nervous system, leaves you feeling tense, stressed um, all the time. And so what you lack is safety. So this root wound, it really um, takes hold of, of most people in those early years of childhood. Generally, in those first seven years, you will have gone through something that was very scary, very chaotic, very painful, um, very traumatic, like in the real like life or death kind of way, right? So yeah, we're talking about abuse um, of any form, witnessing violence, witnessing, just witnessing it can be enough, right? For a lot of little kids, it, it's seeing um, your parents be abusive, right? Or, you know, it could have directly happened to you as well. And so your precious little nervous system, your precious little heart and soul that's just, you know, really coming into your body in those early years of your life, it's going to be scared shitless. And so you are going to be tense <laughs> and feeling terror, feeling afraid. So just straight up fear in the body. And so what you are needing desperately is safety. You cannot relax. You cannot trust if you do not feel safe in your body. So this um, root wound of fear is, uh, oh God, it just, oh, whenever I'm feeling into someone who has this um, still active in their system as a grown woman <laughs> and man, I know men and women that both carry this um, core wound around. Oh my God, they're just stressed all the time. So it's still active in their body from this fear that they went through way back when. And it, um, it really just breaks my heart um, because it really ripples out into anyone who they come into contact with present day. 
because the body keeps the score. The body keeps the score. So those very fearful, um, scared uh, moments that they experienced in childhood, they're still holding that fear in their body now today. So that's the core wound uh, of fear. And it's the root wound, like I said, which takes hold in those um, first years of, of life on the planet. Another wound that you may relate to here is this uh, wound of feels like low self-esteem. So you're filled <laughs> with self-judgment, negativity, criticism. And what this does is really denies your greatness, right? So you end up having this low level of self-esteem and you can't really seem to come into the full expression of yourself. Um, this generally takes hold uh, when we're coming into ourself as a young person, roughly between the ages of seven to 13, probably because you had parents um, or one parent that was critical of you, judgmental, and had a very kind of negative, negative kind of energy around things. And then it would come up against you. And so you take this programming in, and then you come up with these little storylines in your mind that, oh, I'm not that great, you know, and then that becomes the way that you talk to yourself, very negative, very judgmental. And, uh, you know, a lot of this stems from having um, a parent who is stuck in victim consciousness, uh, poverty kind of mentality. And, you know, everyone comes by all of this quite honestly, you know, um, it's generational, you know, a lot of our parents and grandparents, you know, they lived through wars and the depression and life was fucking hard. <laughs> you know, no wonder their outlook and their belief system is negative. It was hard. They were in survival mode. So if you have a parent who comes from that kind of survival mode, you know, they're going to be critical. They're going to be negative. And that's going to really impact your sense of self. And again, give you this really low self-esteem and denying of just how limitless and great and incredible you are and life can be, right? There are no limits. There are no limits. Another uh, core wound that I'm sure everyone can relate to, because we all, again, we all have threads of all of these, no matter what, but one of them for sure, you're going to recognize yourself in a really profound way, okay? So another wound that we all definitely have is that wound of shame, and it leaves you feeling unworthy, I don't really deserve this. I'm less than that. And it's very disempowering. Okay. So it shows up in a lot of ways. And in women in particular who have been shamed around something, and a lot of this comes up with our bodies and how we look. And so from a mother to a daughter, she can inflict this shame wound just like, oof, it's, it's, it's painful. And again, it comes up so much in how we feel about our bodies because shame fundamentally is going to make you feel like something is just utterly wrong with me. 
just completely disempowered. And so you go to changing yourself, fixing yourself, altering yourself in a grasping attempt at, you know, trying to find love for yourself, worthiness for yourself. And you, you know, we all want to feel powerful in our being. We go about it in this like external way, right? So this is where a lot of eating disorders come through. Oh, and just that general wet blanket feeling of unworthiness. It's, it's icky. It is really, really icky. So reclaiming your power, reclaiming your own sense of self-love, of joy, of just your innate, you know, birthright of I am worthy. There can never be anything wrong with me. And I don't ever need to be fixed because I'm not broken. And, and learning how to accept your own power and accept your own love is a beautiful thing to heal that, again, that core wound of shame. Another wound is rejection and abandonment. And that's, you know, pretty self-explanatory um, how that can show up. You know, it's just very obvious, right? I've, I've been rejected by my parent in some form. Uh, he or she literally just, you know, ignored me or was maybe just apathetic or literally you felt like you were abandoned because, well, my parent left <laughs> or they died or, you know, it's just very like obvious, right? So that wound is just, it stabs you right through the heart, right through the heart and leaves you feeling unloved. I would say it's like the simplest to kind of like understand. And yet, oh God, <laughs> it can just be the most painful. Literally, it's so obvious, right? There's no escaping this one because the heart is the most powerful energy center in your um, being. So this core wound of rejection and abandonment being kind of like an offshoot of that. Oh God, it's literally heartbreaking. To heal this, most obviously here, is, um, is to accept and welcome in your own love or love from God. Allow that divine love to just blast you open um, because the truth is you're never not loved. Yeah. Spoiler alert there. Oh, but boy, does it ever set about a grasping kind of anxious energy of trying to get love from another person, right? If we've been abandoned or rejected. Oh, there we go. Uh, another wound is this core wound of feeling guilt. Ugh. It's an icky one. It is icky and it's tied up in often uh, religious uh, teachings or in some sort of, you know, karmic debt. And it can even come through, you know, through your ancestors. You're carrying guilt from your great grandparents and, you know, maybe something that they did to survive. This core wound of guilt is, it's thick. It feels like tar. <laughs> and it's it's not pleasant 
it's not a pleasant one. It, like I said, it's a very heavy feeling um, when you're feeling guilt. And even if it's literally something that you did, that you regret, <laughs> um, it's not something that was kind of like put on you or given to you through your ancestors uh, or taught to you, like I said, by religion, no matter where it came from, you deserve forgiveness. Because once you accept the fact that there was something done and you get that, you know, feeling of guilt, even if it was made up or you don't even quite know, right, this kind of karmic stuff and central ancestral stuff, guilt is heavy. And so we must forgive because for you to walk around and carry that heaviness that, like I said, when I feel it energetically, it feels like someone is sinking into a pit of black tar. Oof. And so we must forgive. You must find the way to forgive self or other and release and clean and clear all that off. This comes through the throat. And so it opens you up to breathe again, to express again, to feel lightness again, right through the throat, through expression. It's a beautiful thing when you um, get to the other side of that. And one of the other um, core wounds here, I think this will be the last one that I touch into, is around separation. This illusion that you are somehow separate from. Separate from what? <laughs> separate from another human, separate from love, separate from the divine. And the truth is, we are all connected. We are all more alike than we are different. And you can never be separate from. It's like, it's almost like the ultimate lie. We are all so intertwined. We are literally just one organism on this planet and in this whole universe. And we're all connected doing this dance together energetically there is no separation between you and anything or anyone else when i work with someone who has this wound it, it feels a little bit um kind of like existential at first and it's kind of like it, it makes them want to like avoid being close to anything like avoid and step back and pull back from because they feel so separate from we come by this wound always honestly, all, everything, and yet it's not real. And we need to move through these fears and come back into contact with the deeper truth, not the made-up stories in our head, not being pulled by past trauma and past pain that keeps us stuck, right? Walking along that path of fate, we want to align with our destiny, which means we must drop more deeply into the truth. So this takes surrender. This takes courage. And this takes a pull, a listening to your soul and following its guidance, its wisdom, its knowing. So, you know, 
through grace, through magic, through love, we can come back to the truth of who we are and start living from that place where it just, you know, and I'm just smiling now because it just feels so connected, so juicy, so loving, so warm, so good, so abundant. And so we got to shed these layers, you guys. We must, must, must. There's no more time for pissing around. Like, this is your life. We just got to, like, move through and move up and keep stepping forward and not being pulled by the past back into those fears, back into those limiting beliefs, back into the pain. Fuck it. Yeah. So come with me on this little journey together and we're going to figure this all out and I'm going to share everything I have and help you every step of the way by speaking with other women who've gone through all of these things and more and you're going to learn and you're going to start to understand you're going to start to see yourself and you're going to be able to um, just constantly make it better right yay it's going to be fun For this very first episode, I thought that it was only right (laughs) and fair that um, this wasn't the plan, though. This wasn't the plan. And I'm feeling feeling slightly awkward right now because I'm going to be getting emotionally naked with you because moving forward, as I, you know, connect with all these beautiful women and share their story, and a part of mine always comes up in a conversation, but I thought it was best that I put myself on the hot seat here and um, and share a little bit with you about me so that you can understand what I've come from and who I am now and kind of, I guess, you know, what's made me me. And so, yeah, time to share. (laughs) Oh, boy. So currently, as of this very present moment, I am 52 which just saying that is so, so bizarre because I do feel 25. So it's, it's been odd, but this year has been very interesting for me because we'll just start with this being 52 is odd. My dad, when he died, he was 52. And so, you know, not a lot of people kind of experience that feeling being the same age as your parent when they died. And it's, it's just odd. It's really odd. I didn't know how I was going to feel about all that, but it's, it's an odd sensation. It's a really odd sensation. So that's been something that's happened to me this year. Those of you that can relate know it's, um, it's, it's really interesting. It doesn't miss you. That's for sure. It lands. Um, Something else this year also (laughs) was um, packing up my childhood home where my mother has lived for my entire life, undergoing that with her and my family. And that also was, I would say, honestly, (laughs) re-traumatizing. Yeah, it was quite something. Um, So yeah, this this year has been been full for me um, emotionally, I would say. And just processing always, you know, new layers that come up. But um, there's nothing like clearing and cleaning out your childhood home 
which again, not a lot of people get to experience that. It's wild. It is really, really heavy and feels good as well. But it's it's the whole range of emotions, that's for sure. Yeah, some of the things that I had to do were, um, yeah, like I said, I would say re-traumatizing. <laughs> Not fun. Um, but in the end, everything has been, you know, it's been glorious. It's been wonderful. All of that has been good. So this year has just been a monumental, I would say, kind of pivotal turning point. Again, it will definitely go down in the books um, for those two events for me. So let's just go back to the beginning, though. So I grew up in northern Canada, and there I was, this, you know, super shy, sensitive little white girl growing up in the north who got a Chinese name from her hippie parents. Ugh. Yeah, I, I didn't really enjoy that, any of that. I didn't um, ever really like being in the, the cold north. Are there beautiful port parts? Of course. But overall, not, not my favorite place to be. Being such a, I'm a highly sensitive person. Um, of course, I didn't know any of this until I was in my 40s. But knowing now and having the, the ease of just looking back at my life and all the patterns and decades that I have lived, I can clearly see exactly now, you know, like what made me and what caused me to do and be and all those kinds of things. So I've been able to psychoanalyze my childhood and understand that this is why I behaved this way. This is why I went here. This is why this happened. And so, yeah, I just want to give you a little bit of insight into that. All in an effort to help you understand yourself greater. Okay. So there I was, this um, shy, sensitive little thing growing up in the bleak north. You know, I always thought through my 20s and 30s that, you know, I just had this, you know, kind of normal little life, no big deal. Um, yes, I grew up in an isolated community in the north, but, you know, whatever. My parents were uh, together and uh, always there, you know, so I grew up in this, you know, safe, stable home. No big, nothing terrible ever happened to me. That was always what I thought. Um, and to an extent, that's absolutely true. Um, there was never any fighting, never any, any sort of abuse, anything like that. Like it was all just, you know, fine. My parents are good people. They loved me. Everything was, was good that way. I have two brothers. Yes, I was not blessed with a sister. And so that's definitely part of the reason why I do this work because I love connecting in that way with women. It's, it's so special to have that, um, kind of a bond and a friendship on like a soul deep kind of level. But going back to the story, so what I realized about my childhood once I was in my 40s, which is just shocking to say this, was that actually my home life was, uh, well, I can only speak for myself and my perception and knowing now the kind of person that I am. And so someone else, this may not have really affected them, but it definitely affected me. So I was emotionally neglected. So there's this thing called CEN, Childhood Emotional Neglect. It's a very real thing. And it's, believe it or not, it's actually a form of abuse. 
it's unintentional, but it's still very um, harmful, hurtful to a child who is growing, who has needs. We all have needs. (laughs) Every human being has all these needs. They're not wants, they're not desires, they are straight up needs. And my emotional needs were not being met. So I wasn't getting the kind of connections, deep connections, um, validation, you know, really being seen and heard in the way that I needed to. And so I felt isolated. (laughs) Um, I, I would say I felt quite alone. Again, I never knew any of this. Only looking back now can I see it so clearly because of what I know and also looking at the patterns in my life, right? Now that I'm 52, it's pretty easy to just look back and understand it all so clearly. So there I was kind of just fending for myself, you know, not getting the kind of uh, connection, communication that I needed from my parents to really hold me and, and make me feel seen, loved, cared for in the way that I needed. So no boundaries, (laughs) no conversations around anything. And so it was a bit of a wild childhood, (laughs) you know, on the one hand, feeling kind of alone. And yet I'm surrounded by, by my family every single day. Um, But then as I entered my teen years, you know, that's when it becomes really clear what's going on with the little human being, Um, you know, rebelling, doing all the things, drinking, smoking weed, et cetera, et cetera staying out all hours because I literally had no boundaries. And I thought it was the greatest thing in the world at the time. I really did. I really did. Um, But it wasn't. It wasn't. So little insight into my parents, just briefly. Again, good people. They loved me. They were there. uh, But they weren't really there for me. So my mom is, you know, she's very much in victim consciousness, right? Both my parents were born in the 40s, just to give you a little bit of, you know, time frame here, which is super common for for um, people of that generation to be very much in victim identity, right? You know, it all just makes sense what they've been through and what, how they were raised. And so, you know, scarcity, victim identity. My mom has her own stuff, you know, that she had happen to her when she grew up that was, you know, traumatizing for sure. And so she just kind of lacked that ability, capability, or even desire, I guess, to emotionally connect with me. She's just not an emotional person. And I am. <laughs> and so there was always just this like, lack of connection between the two of us. We're just very different um, that way. And so I didn't get, again, the kind of support and information and all the things that I was needing from her. And so, yeah, the teen years were not fun. I certainly wasn't nice to my mom as a teenager because I wasn't getting what I needed from her. And so I was testing her. And yeah, and then actually in grade 11, I just left. And no one told me I couldn't. <laughs> I moved away for a year. And uh, and they didn't say no, which again, just kind of proved my point to myself that they kind of don't really care. Like they weren't putting the kind of um, boundaries around me that I needed. And they also, she wasn't um, 
really, like I said, inquiring and deeply emotionally connecting with me to help me understand and help me navigate in the way that I needed. So I needed a stronger role model as a mother and I wasn't getting it. So I tested her and I pushed her and I won, which again, at the time I thought was great, (laughs) but in reality, it's horrible. And so my dad during those childhood years, my dad um, worked every day, provided for our family, even though I always felt like there was, uh, I felt like we were definitely lower middle class because my mom was uh, a kind of a stay at home mom slash dance teacher. So definitely felt lower middle class. So again, that scarcity mentality that was there for my mom really was like, I really felt that it wasn't fun. I didn't like it at all. Now, my dad, on the other hand, working every day, good guy, all that good stuff, but he had his uh, after work habits of drinking and on the weekends, you know, smoking weed. So that's what I grew up with. My parents were like ex-hippies, right? And they just thought that was fine. Thank goodness my mom wasn't really into any of that, um, but she was emotionally disconnected. So I didn't have that. But with my dad he really was disconnected because yeah, he had an alcohol habit and uh, a weed habit. So that was my childhood and seeing that all the time, being around all of that kind of stuff all the time, nothing was hidden. You know, my parents would have parties on the weekends and, and, uh, all the adults would be doing that. You got to remember this is the seventies and eighties as well. Right. But they were all doing it. It all seemed okay in the moment as a kid. I'm like, oh, we're socializing. People are happy and, you know, chatty and all this kind of stuff. It was always uh, like a happy atmosphere. There was never any violence, never any fighting, none of that kind of stuff. Just adults kind of, you know, partying, right? In in kind of an okay way, you know, now as an adult looking back, right? Like they all had, you know, it together. No one was completely debaucherous, you know, maybe on the rare occasion, Um, but for me, these are my role models. And what am I seeing as a kid? (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's not good. It was not good. And it certainly wasn't good for me because then as a teenager, as a young teen, yep. Like in middle school years, there I am now starting to experiment with alcohol and drugs, um, thinking it's normal. And my dad's whole conversation to me one time, I think I was in grade nine or 10 something like that. Might have, well, might've been grade 12. I came home from a big bush party and I was absolutely hammered and I couldn't even get like my, my hoodie and all that. Like I got all kind of tangled up in the bathroom and things like that. I know he like saw all that when I, I don't even know how I got home. And all he said to me the next day was, you know, completely hung over was just use the natural stuff, something to that effect. And I was just like, what? It's like, oh, okay. So like he's giving me permission, but just don't, you know, get into the, I don't know, the chemical, like acid cocaine kind of thing. I was just like, what? I'll never forget that. And so that set me on a path, not having my emotional needs met at home with the combination of, you know, drinking and smoking weed occasionally. That's yeah. That sent me into my twenties not in good steed. I remember when I finished high school, kind of just thinking like, well, now what, what do I do? Because my parents never talked to me about anything. So I wasn't really set up to then like step into the world or, you know, 
didn't really know where I was going or what I was doing. All I knew was that I needed to get out of um, where I was. I just wanted to get away from all of that because again, I wasn't really getting my needs met and I felt very alone anyways. I just wanted to move. That was my whole ambition just was to move. And so then at 21, (laughs) big turning point in my life, my dad died in an accident. And so (laughs) for the next, I would say 20 years, I was honestly just kind of, you know, floating. I ended up um, traveling uh, for a little while and I even actually moved out of the, the country, moved out of Canada for seven years just couldn't get further away from the pain, (laughs) Um, which was great. You know, all of that was great. But underneath all of this, again, at the time, I didn't have a clue that this is what I was like, either on the one hand running from, but really looking for, I was searching, I was trying to fill something. trying to fill something that I didn't even know was missing. I just didn't know. And so there I am in my 20s and 30s doing my thing. You know, life is okay. I'm not a train wreck or anything like that. Again, you know, I do have somewhat of a solid foundation. You know, here I am doing what I do now, right? So, and yet on a deeper level, like in my heart, my little precious spirit was missing something. And I didn't even know what it was. And I was using alcohol to, uh, to a certain degree, usually just on weekends kind of things, but always to excess. Like if I was going to drink, I was going to (laughs) drink, you know, sometimes I guess, you know, once in a while it would be one or two, but, uh, more often than not, it'd be like, no, no, I'll drink that whole bottle of wine, like for sure. And then, you know, on weekends, if it was, you know, if I was gardening or it was sunny or whatever, it was like, yeah, I'd have some hard stuff. I'd be like, gin, gin, gin and tonics would be my, my drink of choice. And so, yeah, but as, as I went through my thirties and that's when I started to realize, um, well, number one, I wanted a baby at 31, that was clear. And then I also discovered yoga. So you gotta remember, this is back in like the early two thousands, you guys. <laughs> It was just yoga. And so I started doing that. And that was really such a turning point for me because I actually got in contact with my deeper essence through meditation, through yoga. And oh yeah, side note, I grew up with zero religion, zero, thanks to my hippie parents. And so there was also this other vacancy in my uh, development. Ah. So I started to fill that through yoga, but wine was still always present or the drinking, I should say. By the end of my thirties, all this had kind of ramped up, right? But lo and behold, at 40, I became pregnant. That's a whole nother journey. Um, I'm not going to go into every little detail here, but I was blessed with my beautiful boy at 40 years old. And of course, you know, it was a massive awakening for me. I became a mother and everything changed. It was the most beautiful thing in the world. An absolute being in contact with the divine and pure magic. And it was life-changing. And then two years later, 
Well, not quite two years later, less than that. And I had three pregnancies, by the way. So during this time, or roughly around my 40s, I, I wasn't drinking a lot um, because I was pregnant so much. But then at, at 42, I had an absolute uh, lightning bolt moment, which again, I'm not going to go into everything right now on my Instagram. You know, if you're really curious, there's some videos and all my story is there. But I had a lightning bolt moment. It changed my life forever. And that was it. I never drank again. And that was 10 years ago. That's when my life really, well, my life began at 40. But then boy, did it really begin once I kind of came out of those toddler years and decided that was it. Alcohol is never going to be in my life again. So that was 10 years ago. And here I am now doing what I do. And, you know, over the past 10 years, you know, doing my own healing and (laughs) realization that's the biggest thing of, of who and who I really am. And because of what I've gone through, how it's so deeply affected me in, again, going back to childhood, all of those unmet needs and lack of boundaries and connection and intimacy and, you know, really being seen and heard and all of that kind of thing. Um, I didn't get any of that. Um, Or if I did, it was, you know, breadcrumbs of it, right? And so here I am doing what I do. And it's like the greatest joy of my life besides being a mother. Because now I am literally experiencing with all of my amazing soul sister clients and this work that I do, all the things that I never got all of that deep intimacy work, um, just, you know, communicating, connecting on the deepest soul level with people. It just is the most fulfilling thing. And then being this incredible um, inspiration and giving solid hope, because it's real, it's true, of just what you can overcome in your own life and step into these next levels of the most heart bursting, fulfilling, satisfying, wonderful, you know, where you literally feel so whole, so filled. It, it, it's truly one of the greatest things you can experience and feel. And so this is where I am now. And this is what I do. And oh, it's, it's just really incredible. And I'm sure there's, you know, I'm leaving out a lot of, of my story here, but that, that, you know, in a nutshell, I mean, there's a few more things that I guess would be pertinent, but they come out in all the conversations that I have, um, along the way. And so, yeah, but just so you know, that's a little bit of me. That's a little bit of my background of just what I've lived through and what I've come to realize in my forties is when I woke up to all of those things. Right. And so, yeah, I hope that makes sense. And if you have any questions around all of that, feel free to leave it in the comments. (laughs) And, uh, and yeah, as we move forward, um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And that is my whole mission is to help you uncover and understand what's lurking deep down in your subconscious from your childhood and some of the other things you've gone through and why we do what we do. And once you see these patterns and understand where it's coming from, (laughs) you can choose differently and start to create something that just opens up in a whole new way on a whole new level that again is just like, oh, I mean, 
it's literally just the most satisfying, fulfilling, heart bursting kind of reality that's right there for you to step into once you know what you need to know and can see it more clearly and unravel those little knots that have been holding you back all along, right? So, and you know, honestly, if I can do it, anyone can do it. So yeah, come with me as we explore and dive into this really good stuff. Wow. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, I have a special little um, gift for you. There is a PDF, a little uh, downloadable form or whatever template for you to look at in the notes below. So please get in there. Please click, have a link, um, have a like, <laughs> click on the follow button, leave a review, leave a comment, hit the stars. But mostly I want you to see that little gift that I have there for you to go through it. You're going to see the 10 signs of emotional neglect. And I've also got those um, core wounds listed out with some beautiful affirmations, some mantras for you to um, marinate in. Okay, so my little gift to you right there. Also, you're going to see my Instagram link there. If you want to connect with me, send me a DM there. That is where I like to hang out. My emails there if you want to just do it that way. But yeah. Thank you again so much. We have officially taken flight and I could not be more happy to go on this journey with you forward into our glorious future together. Love you. 